1: please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast where we talk about pop culture from a Jewish perspective and look at Judaism through the lens of pop culture. As always, we are your hosts. I am Rabbi Michael Knopf. And I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And we are back. We're back, baby. We're back, baby. Uh, After a a brief summer hiatus uh, where we were you know, kind of pursuing our bliss, pursuing our passions, going on the road, uh, soaking up the sun. It was the uh, summer going- of George. <laughs> it was the summer of George, uh, in our house. It was, the uh, the, uh, uh, some of the summer of George, uh, also some of the summer of COVID, uh, it was the first uh, time any of us actually got the virus. Fortunately, everybody's now okay. Um, uh, but, uh, Uh, That crossed my mind a number of times during, especially those two weeks, like this was supposed to be the summer of bike. Um, (laughs) But uh, so we're back and we want to catch up. There was a lot of pop culture this summer, a lot of Torah in pop culture this summer. And uh, we're here to talk about uh, what stood out for us this summer. I'm going to kick it over to uh, Jesse first. Let's hear from you first. What do you want to bring into the conversation that you love this summer?
0: Hey, Mike, would it shock you if I want to talk about a Marvel project? I don't know if you've heard, but I'm a fan of the MCU. Uh, the, the, so, <laughs> were, were there Marvel properties out this summer? Like, that's the only thing I think that was out this summer. So let's first talk about Marvel's uh, Marvel's. Let's, big... just,
1: let's just say, by the way, that like at this point, um, there is as much Marvel content in the past, I don't know, year and a half as there was but by hours. By as there was in the entire first uh, uh, three, three phases. phases. Of the I know, I know. It's
0: crazy. It's crazy yeah. and amazing. Uh, and we are spoiled and don't take it for granted. So uh, let's talk about Marvel's summer 10 pole movie, Thor Love and Thunder, the fourth Thor movie. By the way, can we say, can we just acknowledge that thus far there have been three Captain America movies, three Spider-Man movies, three Iron Man movies. There, This is the fourth Thor movie after Thor the Dark World, whoever thought that there would be four, I didn't think there'd be a third Thor movie, but this is a uh, another uh, take on Chris CD Hemsworth's movie.
1: charisma is impossible to repress. Well, you know so what it is? Just need more-
0: It was all, you know, Taika Waititi uh, and Chris Hemsworth went in a totally different direction with uh, Thor Ragnarok and totally changed his character and made him a a, really a comedic legend uh, in in the MCU. Uh, And they went about it again with this fourth movie. Um, And it was great in many ways and was a little bit too Taika uh, for me. Uh, It was a little bit too humorous for the serious nature of the the film itself. Thor Love and Thunder uh, has the big bad in it as Gore the God Butcher, uh, who is pretty scary and played brilliantly by Christian Bale. Not enough screen time by Christian Bale, in my opinion. Uh, And he is a devoted uh, religious figure. He and his daughter... um, are praying to their God. It's all about gods. And this is where it plays in as, as Thor being the God of thunder. They're praying to their, 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 their God, but they're starving and and they're struggling in the desert. They don't have water and they die. Uh, And then um, really uh, Gore approaches the gods and and they, they laugh at him. And so he ends up killing them with the Necro sword, this weapon that ends up, uh, killing gods and getting their powers as a result. And so he goes on a mission, much like uh, it is in the comic books. He goes on a mission to destroy the gods. Uh, and this is where Thor, who at the end of Avengers Endgame, joined the Guardians of the Galaxy, ends up hearing about this. And so he goes on this mission to save uh, his people in New Asgard, because he thinks New Asgard and the gods of New Asgard, meaning him specifically, are next because Gore is going on uh, this this mission. And it ends up being a pretty cool final fight scene between Gore and, and Thor and Mighty Thor, who's actually Jane Foster, we're going to talk about, and Valkyrie. Um, and, and it has some serious... Natalie
1: Portman and Tessa Thompson, respectively.
0: Yes. And it has some really serious theological... Uh, connotations of what we'll get into then the other side of it is that Jane Foster Natalie Portman comes back um and she has stage 4 cancer uh and um the the broken mjolnir the, the thor's broken hammer calls to her and as long as she's holding that hammer she's worthy she is able to get the strength to continue as a Thor, as a God. Um, And, and it's really this, this back and forth because she herself is struggling. Um, If she's not Thor, then she's going to die. Um, But at the same time, the more she is Thor, the more pain she's also causing to her body. She's just sort of putting on uh, a, a, an image a performance. And and in the post credit scene, we see her, um, going to, or I guess maybe we see her, there are two post-credit scenes. In uh, the second one, she ends up in Valhalla uh, because she is seen as a worthy god because she was the mighty Thor, and she is welcomed into Valhalla by Hemdall, uh, which is a, a pretty great also return to Idris Alba's character who never got enough love in the Thor franchise. Um, so to me, two things really stood out. One, uh, was uh, Jane Foster, how she was struggling with a terminal illness. The second was Gore, how he was struggling with being a devoted person of faith and his daughter loved dying. And to me, they both deal with theodicy, right? They both deal with why bad things happen to good people. Gore was a good person. He was a devoted uh, religious zealot at the time. And then, Uh, Do we lose faith in God when we see those bad things? Gore, I think, is a great example of uh, he was a devoted person, his daughter suffered and died, and so he lost all faith. And to me, what does it mean to have faith in spite of the chaos going on in the world around us? Um, You know, we live with a faith that, at least biblically speaking, is very much focused on Uh, reward and punishment, right? We just read in Parshat Re'eh that you have these two paths before you. And if you act in a certain way, you will be rewarded. If you don't, you'll be punished. But we know that that is not the theology of the rabbinic world that we live in today, because that's not reality of the world we live in today, that there are good and just people who uh, suffer But that doesn't stop them from being devoted individuals. And there are cruel, cruel people who seem to thrive and succeed. Um, I wish that we could focus on those themes more in this movie. But because of the Taika Waititi humor, uh, I feel like there was an attempt at a laugh every Few minutes, And don't get me wrong. I was laughing it up because, c- you know, I appreciate the humor, but you miss the serious tones of, of the movie as a result. I also think for what it's worth, it had the shortest runtime out of any MCU movie in years. It was uh, just under two hours. It was 119 minutes. And I think it could have really benefited from another 20 minutes to flesh out the story.
1: Look, that's, that's a hot take right there that uh, that the movie should have been longer. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was um, excited about the fact that finally there was a Marvel movie uh, after a, a good long while that was under two hours. Uh, uh, in truth, I did not make it to the end of the movie. I have not seen uh, all 119 minutes of it yet uh, because, as you said earlier, uh, Gore is a pretty is depicted in a pretty scary way, is a pretty scary character. There is uh scary looking, scary acting. Um there, you know, the, the a significant portion of the plot deals with him uh kidnapping uh and uh, imprisoning uh and threatening to kill the children of the Asgard. Children,
0: the children of New Asgard. Um,
1: and uh and and I was with my kids I took my kids to see Thor because they like the Marvel movies whatever but uh but they were too scared by the end they uh, they managed to make it about 90 minutes in I think because that's how long their candy lasted um and uh and then and then after that we we had to go so I haven't seen the end of it um but I but I get that and, Spoiler I, and I felt, alert. <laughs> I felt similarly about the uh the movie you know as a as as cinema right as as a film I um I think that you know, Marvel definitely let Taika Waititi's freak flag fly, and uh, to mixed results. I love Taika Waititi, um, and I think uh, Chris Hemsworth is uh has is a great comedic actor. Um, that was a great discovery of uh, of of the Marvel folks in Taika Waititi. Um, to capitalize on that, I just feel attacked that someone who is so funny uh, is also so unbelievably handsome. Um, that just feels unfair to me. Um, but you know, and that that is, I have a problem with you know. I, I'm gonna like that's the Odyssey to me. Um, why why um, you know why why don't I why, why don't I get at least like a tenth of that? Uh, but um, you know what 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 undercut it to me. In addition to the that you know, the, it had these really weighty themes, like you said, right? Struggling with illness, um, uh, these kind of like spiritual religious themes. You know, it struck me that one of the one of the innovations of of, of really of Judaism um, that uh, that that, you know, Judaism gives to the world is the I- idea of monotheism. Right. Right. And and, and and theodicy is really only a problem in monotheism. Um, right. Because if, if there's if there's only one God and God is the source of, you know, of everything. Um, and as is usually discussed in kind of classical theology, that God is all the omnis, right? God is uh, uh, omnipresent, right? God is everywhere, omniscient, God knows everything, and omnipotent, God is all powerful, right? Then then you have a real problem there when bad things happen um, to people who seem to not deserve bad things to happen to them, um, because it, it, you know, you either have to impugn that person, that's the whole book of Job is really about that challenge. But the it, so it seems to me that the benefit of a, a, a world in which there are many gods, as is seemingly the, you know, the Marvel universe or multiverse in which there are many gods and many different possible universes and timelines, um, is that if your god fails you, just find a different god. I mean, I guess one of the things that the movie suggests is that, like, all the gods are uh, petty and self-absorbed and so there's no better God for Gore to have turned to and his and his you know this is like the you know and some of the best Marvel villains I think are are are, are in this vein right Killmonger uh and um uh, uh Thanos are are two uh, obvious ones that come to mind is like but they, have they have a legitimate reason point. yeah they have a point they have a point right so if if we are living in a in a universe in which we believe that gods are apathetic, selfish, uh, petulant petty right and to to a god right every single one is like that um then yeah right gore's got a point um but i i'm not like you know from from my um religious experience right uh jewish tradition doesn't think about god in the same way as the gods in general are depicted in the movie so i'm not sure it yeah, was like a, you, you know, a you, religious you, comment
0: you, you know it's it's interesting in rabbinic literature right And midrash when we find um, Satan the adversary challenging God uh, there is a bit of an ego back and forth you know some of midrash suggests that the reason why uh, the akedah uh, the Biden of Isaac happened was because Satan tried to convince God that Abraham actually wasn't uh, a, a devout Jew uh wasn't devoted to him and to monotheistic uh ideals and so god challenged him at, at, right literally as the torah says gave him a test to to test him to prove a point um that's not the world that 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 we live in that's not the judaism that we believe in today i will say it's also
1: not clear that that's what That that's what the nature of the test was in in Genesis. But anyway, I I I,
0: I, I will say that we do have in the post Holocaust world, we do have a generation of 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 Jews who are committed to Judaism as a people, uh, like the peoplehood of the Jewish people, but who are totally atheists because of some of their firsthand experiences. Uh, at the hands of the Nazis, right? Survivors of of the Shoah. Um, and uh, what's I find really interesting, I know, Mike, you said you didn't see the end of this movie, so spoiler alert, but how the movie ended, I, I think, was what, what was really telling, right? They end up, as they're fighting, they destroy the Necro-Sword. Gore is freed from the influence of this Necro-Sword. By the way, I wonder if the Necro-Sword has any connection or relationship to... um. To to Venom and, and that sort of thing, but that's a whole nother story. Um, and they end up in eternity's realm. And when you they were in front of eternity, almost like a genie, that Gore could make one wish. And Thor senses that his wish is going to be to destroy all the gods. That's what he wanted. Uh, but Thor said, Is that really what you want? Your daughter died, and you want to destroy all the gods. And in the end, he says, No, I want to uh I will I will take my own life. Uh, in order to save my daughters, which is something that I know, Mike, you would agree that any of us as parents would say, right? That that we would risk our lives if it meant that our children would be safe and healthy and protected. And so in the end, rather than destroying the gods, he, all he wants is for his daughter to be revived and she ends up coming back to life and is ends up being raised by Thor. And I think it speaks volumes that when we uh, deal with loss and illness and pain and suffering, uh, we we blame it on, the gods, or really in our case, on God, um, because we don't know who else to blame. We don't know who else to turn to. Uh, And I think that's okay, right? Our relationship with God can be at times relationship. And when we we scream at God and yell at God and cry at God and and curse at God, that we could be angry with God. Uh, To me, that's part of this covenantal relationship. Uh, but it's not what Gore does, in which Gore says, "I'm going to abandon the gods and kill the gods," uh, because he sees the ego of the gods.
1: Mm. Yeah, um, <clears throat> which I think is uh, is you know really uh, an intriguing idea, and and one that I think certainly you know Judaism wrestles with um, is you know uh, God is so often depicted in human terms even though god is understood by most jewish theologians to not be right those are those are kind of metaphorical terms but and and based on the limitations of human understanding and human comprehension um but you know uh uh the you know humans taught we talk about god using those human terms and therefore god has will god has ego um god has um right anger love human emotions in in Jewish tradition which are all by the way uh arguments against if god has those things then god um is not um you know is, is not the perfect entity that 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 in philosophy right. god is so often uh, characterized as um but you know so but it's but it's really interesting right in in the marvel cinematic universe um is there and is there a moral absolute right because because presumably religion and 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 the the notion of god especially in monotheism supposes that god represents a moral absolute right, right. like the, the perfect ideal of the good right, right? and so in, what in, does in that the MCU and
0: like? in the MCU there's not right that's right. why that there was the civil war fight between cap and iron man uh, each had a valid point there are, are mugs Hawkeye, you know, was drinking from a mug that said Thanos was Thanos right. Was right, yeah, I, right. That that I uh, I I think, and that's the world that we live in. That there are actually very few moral absolutes. That most of what we live in in this world is gray.
1: Um. So how do you? So so this is a question that I have, right? How do you live in that kind of world, and not just be among people that are like, you know, shrug emoji, lol, nothing matters. Right. It, right. If there are no if, if there's no, you know, uh, clear objective uh, um, of, of, you know, what's 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 the good to which we ought to all be pursuing um, the ideal to which we all uh, you know uh, are striving. Um, well, well
0: I, I think there is good that we strive for. The question is, what is the reward? Right. That that rabbinic. Uh, what's it- the
1: outcome that we want?
0: Yeah, well, rabbinic theology, because they didn't experience that reward in this life, they shifted it to the idea that well, we get rewarded in, in, in the world to come, uh, in another world, in another life, because uh, we we deal with our pain and suffering in this world. To me, the reward is the act itself, is doing good, is looking and striving to be God's partner. Um, that that in and of itself is is the reward, right? I I turn to God. Um, when I say the Misha Barak prayer for a loved one who, who is ill, um, if that loved one uh, dies, I, I don't yell at God. I, I personally find comfort in God in praying while they are ill because I feel so helpless. Uh, and so God very much serves as my crutch in that that regard, because I don't know what else to do. Uh, I am not a doctor. I am not a surgeon. uh, I I am not a scientist. I cannot do anything. Uh, And so I turn to God um, because what else can I do? Hmm. Um, And and, and I think um, to see the transition that Gore takes where he turns to God. But uh, I don't know if he's the right example because Gore in some ways at the beginning of the movie was a very blind religious zealot. Uh, He saw the world as black and white. Um, and, and that's You're not depicted the, in
1: black and white,
0: right. And that's not the way we want the world to be seen. That's not the way I believe our relationship with this world is, our relationship with God is. Uh, I do want uh, the Jewish community to be devoted to God and to this breach of this covenant, but I also think that that's not the reality that that we live in. um what one one last spoiler for you, Mike. Uh, I I loved Zeus. I loved Russell Crowe's portrayal of Zeus. If you look at actually, um Greek, uh stories uh he was actually portrayed well zeus was not this like huge you know powerful man he he was a comical pompous jerk and and that's how he played him with the greek accent and in the mid-credits scene we were introduced to hercules uh who has an ego that could rival thor played by you know the 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 newest jew to the mcu uh played by roy kent himself Played by Brett Goldstein. So so we look forward to having him in the MCU going forward. Uh, Mike, uh, apparently there were things besides Marvel that was happening <laughs> this summer. What, what, what have you been watching and listening
1: to? Uh, okay, so first let me just say about Russell Crowe uh, in that role. There was big uh, Michael Scott uh, playing Michael Scott's character Mykonos. In that uh, in, in that role that's that's the vibe I got um so uh actually I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, jump on something that I think is related to uh the way um Gore interacts or or, or or feels about the gods in in Thor love and Thunder um which is to me this was a great music summer um I there I had a lot of great music related experiences I think that's been the case the last few summers last summer uh before this um what I was just overwhelmed with uh with with love for the um for Billie Eilish's uh, follow-up album uh and this summer I uh, fell deeply in love with uh beyonce's uh, album that dropped Renaissance and I want to talk about that in in a minute uh Lizzo came out with a new album this summer uh, which It's about was- damn time. <laughs> which is about downtime. Uh, and, uh, and that was good. I, I was not as overwhelmed in love with it as I was with her uh, previous album. Uh, it definitely had some great, uh, jams on it. I love the, uh, the, the opening, which I imagine, even though I'm not on TikTok, has launched a lot of TikToks. which is, uh, you know, uh, I, um, I've been home since 2020. Um, I've been, uh, twerking and drinking smoothies. It's called healing. Um, that was really kind of my vibe the whole summer. Um, uh, I have no videos of me twerking, though, so don't uh, <laughs> so don't at me. Uh, but I but to the uh, I think related to uh, Thor: Love and Thunder was a documentary that uh, dropped recently on Netflix um, called uh, Woodstock '99 uh, Trainwreck or Trainwreck Woodstock '99, a three-part documentary series about uh, the catastrophe of uh, the uh, 1999 revival of uh, the Woodstock Music Festival. Which I remember well. I I remember well, too. Um, I was, uh, let's see, summer of 99 uh, was the summer uh, that I was, uh, before I entered my junior year of high school. Um, So was on USY on Wheels that summer.
0: You and I spent that summer on USY on Wheels.
1: That's right um and you know so the the the, uh, the the musical acts there was a you know whole nostalgia kick of the musical acts Limp Bizkit Corn, um Rage Against the Machine uh so there was there's a nostalgia factor of of seeing the movie but what what I thought was really in, you know what what I remember of the debacle of Woodstock 99 was um, a, a sense that, uh, you know, people were mad because it was hot and there was no water or or that water was really expensive and people weren't allowed to bring in their own water and that there was just like a lot of angry white men um, listening to a lot of angry music and they decided to, you know, act out on their rage and aggression. And those are truths True. Um, that I think came out in, in the story. But the way the story is told in this documentary series uh, really, I think, depicted... Um, a, a sense of the of the utter negligence and disregard uh, for the 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 people that they were supposed to be taken care of um, as you know as as ticket holders as patrons of this festival of the organizers um, the organizers really had a uh, you know were, were um, I think understandably. Wanted this to be a money-making venture, right? They weren't putting on a charity, which is which is fine. Uh, you know, granted, we're in we're in a capitalist economy, right? You're you want to put on a concert to make money. Um, but there were clear decisions that the organizers made um in this uh in, in this concert to, you know, to maximize their profits, to benefit themselves uh, at the expense of the uh w- at the expense or without taking any consideration into what the user experience was, um uh, to what um uh, to what the atmosphere was gonna be like on the festival grounds. So, you know, it wasn't just that they weren't allowing people to bring in their own water and selling bottled water at $4 a pop, which even now is expensive to sell a bottle of water, right? 20 plus years later. Um, But it was that they, you know, did not really have uh, uh, working water. Turned out that uh, at least by the end of the festival, all of the running water in the facility was uh, terribly contaminated by human waste. Um, and, uh, so people, it was, it, uh, it was hot and it was on a military base, which, you know, they had decided to, uh, host the concert there for a handful of reasons among them, uh, that the original Woodstock in 69 and Woodstock 94 um, uh pe- they had a lot of gate crashers. Uh and so the military base had, you know, kind of an impenetrable fence around it where they reinforced the wall that they called the peace wall, which was which also there was you know a lot of uh cynicism, cynical capitalism uh involved in, in this. Um and then you know, uh, made a deliberate decision uh to fill the, the 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 bill of musical acts um with uh with with very um, aggressive masculine acts, and you know, the, it, the it, organizers- it was
0: about commercialization, right? So, right. they were all about how do we sell tickets, and so they focus right. on who were the pop music's uh, most successful or, acts rock, at the time, rock, rock. music
1: specifically, right? Because, because they could have had In Sync and Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears, who were, were some of the biggest acts at the time, but they decided to focus on rock, which is understandable, that was kind of the Woodstock vibe. Um, but uh, but but they you know they they you know focused on bands like Limp Bizkit and Corn and, and Rage Against the Machine Metallica which are which are it, the organizers tried very hard to uh, to pin the blame on the bands and uh, and like what they called a few bad apples in the crowd and it was very clear in the course of the documentary that like while it may be true that the bands that played. Um, you know, ha- we're we're Kid Rock. We're 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 you know uh, of a moment of very uh, of, of aggression, male aggression uh, and chauvinism and misogyny that was very present in some of the uh, some of the rock and roll at the time. I, I take Rage Against the Machine and Metallica actually out of that equation, but certainly true of Limp Bizkit and uh, and Kid Rock. Um, uh, I th- in watching the documentary, you know, could Limp Bizkit could Fred Durst have, you know, gone on stage uh and said, you know, everybody, let's take it down a notch, as the offspring did uh in in the uh in in the course of the performing. Yeah, they could have, but it was not Fred Durst's job to um to calm the crowd down. It's Fred Durst, Durst's job to be Fred Durst and to give a great limb biscuit show, which he did, right? It was corn's job to give a great corn show. And I'm not even a Corn fan, really? Um, but I watched, you know, the footage of their concert. Nice, and, and and I turned to Adira, my wife, who I was watching with, and saying, "Like, Corn did their job in that concert. They put on a great show. Like, they had to win over non-Corn fans, and like, the, I'm not a Corn fan, and I could say, like, they put on a great show. So the so what why I think it's related to the themes in Thor: Love and Thunder, um, is you know a sense that like there are powerful um uh in this case you know wealthy forces who are orchestrating creating an environment creating a world that is entirely for their benefit without any consideration at all to the people that they are um benefiting from and 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 are supposed to at least on some level be serving the needs of um and uh and, and so i think you know and so you know, did you know? Did did that warrant the response that came from the crowd? Um, you know, to to totally destroy, you know, cause a riot and totally destroy, uh, uh property and and harm people. Well, it's uh, also
0: the, the the frat bro culture of the of that men who were there. A lot of them. Yes, there's yes. a lot so of there's, cases there's of yes. uh, uh, of assaulting sexual assaulting assault,
1: women. Uh, 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 listen, people need to be responsible for the decisions that they make. I'm not saying that necessarily the promoters are are um, are guilty of causing the sexual assault and the rape uh, that that were prevalent. It, you know, the the violence, uh, the, the the looting, the, all of that. People have to take their own responsibility for. They didn't they didn't cause those things to happen, but they certainly created an environment. Or didn't care that they were that that an environment was being created in large part because of decisions they made in which um, uh, uh, actions like that um, became not only possible but almost inevitable. Um, and I and and so you know so thinking about it like in in the framing of Thor Love and Thunder. Right, like I can understand Gore's motivation to take revenge on the gods. And I can understand like why all of these, you know, angry kids um, just wanted to destroy things by the end of it. Um, I, I certainly don't understand, you know, the the, the uh, rape culture, the assault culture, the toxic masculinity, um, but the the promoters were very clearly trying to say like that the problem was these guys, and certainly that's there's truth in that. Um, but they chose the lineup of acts. No, should probably they had to know full well what the fan base looked like for that lineup of acts. Sure. Um, made a deliberate decision to only have three female acts in the whole weekend lineup, Jewel Alanis Morissette, and Cheryl Crow, right? Could see. What the masculine, the toxic masculine response to those acts was during the course of each of those three days. They staggered those female acts over three days. So they they clearly knew that they only had three women acts, and they put one on one day, one on the next day, one on the, the following day. So, um, so I, I do think it's it's a um, uh, a, a comment, um, and and I think the documentary I think really does um, uh, provide this comment of okay, so who's who's responsible in a a train wreck like that, right? It's like Heschel says, right? Some are guilty, right? the people who assaulted women, raped women, committed acts of violence and arson, like they're guilty, Um, but there's a lot of responsibility to go around. And it was clear in the documentary that the promoters took virtually no responsibility for uh, where where the truth is that they um, actually probably bore... The brunt of the responsibility for creating a, an environment in which those things um, were not only possible but inevitable to, to happen. Um, and it and it and it I think cre- and it raises the question, I think a larger kind of social question, because we're really still in the midst. You know, I've watched the footage of that, and it was very easy to see um echoes of the January 6th insurrection. Um, you know, we're we're and and, and On the one hand like i i I have i'm filled with loathing and abhorrence for the people that committed those acts and even more for the uh for the for the political leaders that you know incited encouraged and are now excusing um uh and and even courting the support of people that were involved in, in those actions of what it means for our democracy, what it means for the safety of the Jewish community and not to mention other minority communities in America all of that is is uh, is is true And yet I think that the presence of that uh, rage is at least in part um, related to um, uh, a uh, a sense that people have, that people in power, both political power and economic power, couldn't care less about uh the well being of the broader body politic, um and 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 only care about their own power and privilege.
0: Right. Well the, the feedback from Woodstock ninety four, which I remember as being pretty successful, uh much more peaceful. Uh, sure but didn't make money. That's what how the right. documentary starts. Right. And so that's what they were concerned about. Right. Right. They took the image and the, the, H- the HBO max doing. documentary,
1: just to, just to interrupt you for a second, the HBO max version of the documentary, which came out last year uh, uh, suggests that 94 was not as much of a failure as the, the um, the uh, Netflix 99. documentary suggests that it was. Um, it didn't make as much money, but I don't think that they would have had a 99 if 94 wasn't in some way successful. Sorry. Um uh, my only point is is that
0: that's all that they were concerned about, right? They outsourced everything because they were concerned about making money. Um -hmm. and and, um aren't concerned about anything else. And you know, you look at some people in positions of power, all right, and that's what they're concerned about. They're concerned about how policies benefit them and only them. And they're only concerned about making money. Uh, and as long as the economy is good for them, they're fine. And when all of a sudden a policy goes into a place where it doesn't benefit them and uh, may benefit other people, but they have to pay higher taxes or something like that, or their fair share of taxes, uh, that's when uh, the, the, the frat bros uh, go crazy.
1: Yeah. And, you know, so I, I keep on coming back to, you know, the the uh, the um, verse in the Torah that says, you know, uh, which we often translate as don't stand by or don't stand od- idly by the blood of your neighbor. Um, but but a, a lot of translations actually say that the real meaning of it is don't stand on the blood of your neighbor. In other words, don't profit by uh, other people's pain. Right. And uh, and so, you know, that I think is um, uh, a uh, this this movie, uh, the, the series is a uh, is a cautionary tale about what happens when people do that, when they when they um, at least don't care about the pain that they're inflicting by the choices that they're making in order to make a profit themselves, if not actively benefiting from other people's pain. Um, uh, you in a deliberate way, um, and so, uh, and I think that you know the, I contrast that with, um, with uh, you know, there's still that. I mean, that's still obviously very present in capitalism generally, the music industry specifically. I don't want to portray you know Beyonce as some saint, but I think that there is that, that there were lessons learned in in music uh, from that moment in music and that. Uh, And and that experience specifically, and I think that the the way uh, we relate to music and the way that artists relate to their fans now um, is is different. And I think that like um, uh, you know there was there was something present in that moment where um, and the, the 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 promoters who were involved in Woodstock '69 and Woodstock '94, you know, put the blame on the on the people, or or mostly on the bands and on the people, to say that like there's something wrong with this generation, um, uh, because they don't have the values of peace and love and harmony that 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 that, that people had in Woodstock '69, forgetting for a fact that actually Woodstock '69, as the HBO Max version of the documentary shows, was not as like much of a success and utopia as is often portrayed by by the baby boom generation. Um, but that you know the, the the problem isn't with like it's not that the kids aren't all right. Um, it's that um, the 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 kids are relating to their world differently than their parents' generation have different concerns, different problems, different challenges. And the um, and so like I think that that what's happening in music right now is there's much more direct interaction between um, m- between artists and their and their fan bases. Um, not mediated as much by major corporations like you know uh uh record labels television whatever there's the you know the, the sort of um uh diversity of the market means sure. that that musicians have to actually say something um that's that's meaningful and so I think you get something like you know you get Lizzo you know uh be, finding success in, in really promoting a, an ethic of body positivity and and self-care. Beyonce, you know, talking about like empowerment and, and ownership, right? Break my soul is not only a jam because it's a, a major earworm, uh, but also because it's actually saying something. Um, uh, it, it's, you know, people are, people are, I don't know if it's a good thing necessarily, people are quitting their jobs because of break my soul, um, because Beyonce is saying, like, like you don't have to put up with, um, you know, with uh, with 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 people trying to make you who you are not, right? right? Fred Durst, like the 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 Limp response to that is just smash things. Beyonce's response is take your life into your own hands, take responsibility for who you are, love who you are, be who you are right that's a very different i think kind of message and and what i loved about renaissance bringing it back to bringing it back to that
0: yeah no i i i agree um with with what you're saying and it, and it's sort of generationally um really important thinking about where we were as a society where young adults were uh a generation ago at, at woodstock 99 versus where we are as a, as a society now um and what role music should play i feel like as it did in the 60s uh, in in messaging our beliefs to a generation uh and being a moral voice instead of just being a voice of loud screaming and banging your guitar on the ground absolutely uh hey mike did you know that there were other marvel things Get out of town. That happened this summer. That is true. Uh, Miss Marvel, uh, the most marvelous of all marvels. Miss Marvel uh, was the latest Disney Plus show that premiered uh, early summer, premiered uh, in June, and it was shown weekly June and July of this summer. Uh, and it tells the, um, the the story of Kamala Khan. Uh, played by beautifully by Iman Vellani, uh, a 16 year old Pakistani American in Jersey City, Jersey strong, Jersey proud, Jersey represent. Uh, and uh, she is a fangirl of uh, the Avengers, of Captain Marvel specifically. Um, and uh, she goes to Avengers Con, which uh, I, I would love to go to Avengers Con personally. And uh, she wears her nanny's, uh, her great grandmother's bangle. Uh, and in doing so, She gets all these powers Uh, and and it turns out uh, she she meets the clandestines, which uh, uh, we think are good, but turn out to be bad. They end up being the jinns, uh, I believe is how it's pronounced. uh, They were exiled from the Nord dimension, the light dimension. uh, And and I I love how it plays on um, both Pakistani uh, and uh, Islamic lore in, in that way. Uh, and it talks uh, very similar to Star Wars in that regard about about light and darkness and good and evil, um, and, and this light dimension. Ultimately, it is a story of um, being different. It is a story of, of uh, accepting your differences and being proud of who you are instead of hiding them. Uh, I really appreciated how real it was. Uh, the The scene at, at the um, the iftar. Uh, where where they were going around the the like um carnival that the masjid had, it was so similar to to a synagogue where you had all your different crews sitting around at different tables during kiddish lunch or something like that. That I really liked. I liked that it was a coming of age story of a high schooler, um, and, and that was genuine and real. Um, and I like that they did not um hide. From dealing with uh, the the Islamophobia that exists in this country, right? That they, they said, "Oh, here they are the the government officials coming to a mosque again." That that sort of thing. Um, as an aside for for the uh, MCU, the DoDC, the Department of Damage Control, which we really hadn't seen. Since Spider-Man Homecoming. It looks like it's going to play a much bigger role going forward. They're making an appearance in She-Hulk as well. I think they're going to be very involved in phase five and six of the MCU. But I love the show. What did you think of it, Mike?
1: I, I also really love Miss Marvel. My, my whole family did too. We we watched it together as a family. Um I I uh, had another kind of side project this summer, uh, which uh caused me to uh embrace reading comic books which i had never uh really done before and one of the ones that i really enjoyed was uh, the original miss marvel run of comics which i read after seeing the show um i, I have to say that uh, i um i appreciated the show less after reading the the comic books i think that that uh, they dealt with a lot of the themes um better in some ways in in the comic books but yeah. um I really love I mean the the lead uh the the lead role Kamala Khan uh Miss Marvel I, I forget the actor's name actress's name um Iman it's, yeah it's such a fine just uh just uh, you know in, a, incredible I think this is her first her, this is her breakthrough role um and uh, so that was that was great and I you know I loved the you know uh uh immigrant Pakistani Muslim uh family dynamic stuff I loved um and learned a lot honestly from uh, bringing in the uh, the the issue of uh, the British partition of of India and Pakistan um, stuff, stuff that admittedly with my white privilege I really did not know a lot about uh, right and and it's really fascinating to um to to kind of compare and contrast that with the British partition plan of Palestine in 1947 yeah yep. uh, which is a whole other thing but um but but certainly relevant in that consideration and similar in some ways uh, but uh, yeah I I I love uh, I love the show. I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see more of Miss Marvel. There's going to be obviously more of Miss Marvel in the upcoming movie, The Marvels, uh, with, uh, with with Captain Marvel, who makes an appearance in this in the uh, post credits uh, stinger um, at the end of the series. Um, so I'm excited about more Miss Marvel, and, and thought that um, there were a lot of great. It was just great fun, but also like interesting um, themes to explore that struck me, that resonated with me. Uh, religiously and as a you know even though i'm i'm a, a white cisgender straight male in is as part of my identity um resonated with me as a minority in america too
0: yeah we live in a christian society uh right and so much of the story was about how you fit in as a person right. of faith uh with with rising uh, and and increasing bigotry towards the Islamic community towards the Jewish community right. um how do you respond? And, and, I love, to and
1: that? I love that. And I love that. You know, the that that faith, uh, you know, that that religious commitment was was depicted. You know, kind of across the spectrum. But like the the you know her religious brother um, uh, was not. Even though in the in the comics he's actually more of like a um, uh, um, his family doesn't quite understand him as well. Like they're not as uh, they're they're not like on board with his religiosity. Uh, the show kind of depicts him as like. He's religious, but cool, you know, and uh, and we don't get a lot of that in in uh, in TV or movies today.
0: Well, you know what? I also appreciated. um, And I heard this from uh, some Muslim friends uh, that so much of the depiction of Muslim Americans in in pop culture, it causes Islamophobia. Right. In that post 9-11 world, you look at like 24, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. They depict Muslim Americans as terrorists. Uh, and, and this was showed how genuine and good uh, uh, Kamala Khan's father was my favorite character in the show, just how yeah. sweet and loving he was, and yeah. supportive he was. Um, and I just think in that regard, it showed how beautiful faith and faith community can be uh, and how um being different and being a minority is something that should be celebrated. It's not something that you should be scared of showing.
1: Um, yeah, I do want to say that, um, I, I'm, I, I, I love to be a part of a community where there's a, where there are competitive races to be on the board. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, and I would love to have, you know, a, 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 a <laughs> right. uh, a high I love schooler, right. A high schooler, like eager to be involved in synagogue leadership. Um, a, uh, a, a, a jewish community like synagogue festival that looks as fun as theirs do i i have yet to see it in uh in jewish communities that i've been a part of but um so there that was an element of uh, what it seemed to me was fantasy but uh in the show but but maybe not i don't know i, I haven't been that close to uh muslim communities so maybe i'm wrong Fair
0: enough, fair enough. Um, well, we could all use a little bit uh, of the positive light from the Noor dimension. A good lights uh, and, and and I think Miss Marvel uh, is that that lights uh, in in this world can be that that good positive lights uh, predictions. I think she's gonna be part of the the young Avengers crew that's going to be appearing somewhere in, in, in phase five or phase six, um, you know, between her. And, uh, Kate Bishop has a new Hawkeye. Um, you know, is Jennifer Walters going to be involved in that? We, we we have this new Avengers that, that are, that are really coming together. Um, and and that's
1: very exciting. Uh, yeah. So prediction and, you know, prove us wrong, Kevin Feige, uh, (laughs) prove us wrong. Speaking of light and speaking of darkness, I, uh, caught on to, uh, the Apple TV Plus show for all mankind this summer, which had uh its third season uh, uh that that started uh airing uh in June and, and wrapped up in August. Um I had not uh, seen the show, but it was you know the third season was very buzzy. So I uh, decided to go back and and watch uh, all three seasons uh, over the course of the summer. And if you're not watching for all mankind, Jesse and our listeners, uh, I really commend it. I mean, it's just a you know it, it starts out kind of like you know it's Mad Men in space. Um, it, Speaking about talk- a
0: multiverse, it's a it's a whole nother alternate reality. Right.
1: So uh, it uh, it's you know it's it's a period drama. Uh, but it is also, in some ways, a sci-fi drama because it uh, proposes kind of an alternate history where the Russians are the first to land on the moon. You know, basically all of history is the same until the summer of 1969, uh, when the Russians beat the Americans to the moon by like a month. Um, and uh, and then the timeline, you know, it, it tracks with uh, our current, you know, our our our. our real world history, uh, in some ways, but diverges from it in very interesting ways. Right. So, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, what, what happens to the space race if, uh, if the Russians go first and, um, the, the show focuses, uh, basically on, uh, the, the folks, uh, in the, pardon the pun, but the NASA orbit, uh, the, the people in the, um, uh, in mission control, uh, in NASA administration, the astronauts and their families, uh, and and those surrounding them. But it really explores themes like, um, as as the title suggests, um, uh, what responsibility do we have, and why um, to and loyalty um, to our nation. Like what's the what's the virtue of patriotism? Um, is is I think one of the questions that the show asks and something that I think uh I'm thinking a lot about leading up to the high holidays uh one of the uh, uh most frequently repeated prayers in uh in high holiday liturgy is niami and we're praying that God uh zadon min ha'aretz, that God um uh, uh uh, roots out or removes the uh the the uh the arrogant Kingdom from the world right and kind of replaces the uh, uh replaces all human rule with with direct Divine rules. There is a this ideal I think being presented in Jewish tradition um that you know that that all uh, that that all you know human society um, is imperfect, sometimes corrupt, um, but yet, you know, we often kind of uh, see ourselves as needing to be uh, loyal to, uh, and we hold up as an ideal. Uh, our our loyalty to our patriotism for the countries we live in. And so the show really explores like what's the virtue of that? Um and um and and to what extent is it misplaced, right? So, you know, are the are the are the Russians less virtuous than the Americans, right? We're, we're, the Americans are the protagonists, but there's some interesting questions being raised. Are the, the North Koreans, they're just as human as we are. Um, so that's that's number one. Um, number two is about the about the value of exploration for exploration's sake um and the human cost of that exploration we've talked about this a little bit in in times past um but you know the space program this was really explored in season three a, a lot the space program you know costs a lot of money like people were talking about this in 1969 it costs a lot of money to to put an astronaut on to put Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin on the moon um Should that money have been spent for that? Was there tangible benefit for Americans, for all mankind, in a human being walking on the surface of the moon? Or should those billions have been spent elsewhere? And the the, the show really, I think, does wrestle with that in in meaningful and, and interesting ways. It obviously focuses on the exploration. There's benefit certainly, to discovery and to exploration for exploration's sake. There's also... Uh, significant cost so you know there's this idea that we have as Americans of like manifest destiny well we're now really coming to 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 uh more meaningful terms with um with with the sh- the chauvinism the um the 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 uh the the moral quandary of that manifest destiny in our real history. Uh, in this country right so it's present uh in space exploration too in a lot of ways and 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 I think that the, there's some really Jewish themes uh that that come out of that right um you know we're uh, uh we're told in Genesis right um uh you know uh, conquer the world and subdue it right um you know so there is this sense in in Jewish tradition or read from a certain perspective that we have you know, dominion—like humans can go out and do, should go out and do, should go out and like uh, look at look for new horizons—and yet, you know, what's our responsibility uh, to the planet? What's our responsibility to each other? Um, uh, what are the limitations of um, of human ambition? What should be the limitations of human ambition? Um, are, are really, I think, some of the, the the really Jewish themes that are that are raised by for all mankind.
0: Well, I think the show initially, uh, which is true for the world, uh, the reality of the world we live in, not this alternate universe, is, is it focused on the space wars, right? Right, and the the idea of weaponizing space, which, by the way, Trump did the same thing when he established the Space Force, right, a military arm for outer space. The the idea that that this would be a place uh, was only because Russia was trying to go to the moon that we felt like in this Cold War era, we needed to go to the moon first to protect it, to protect ourselves. Um, it's a question of what is our role of as humanity versus our role as Americans. Uh, right. I believe in the idea of exploration. I believe in the idea of seeing this world and this great universe that God created. Uh, but that's a separate question, right? That That's not what they're trying to do. That's not what NASA's trying to do. Um, uh, Rob Lowe, Sam Seaborn's character in the West Wing, when they talked about traveling to Mars, famously says, because that's what's next. That's what's right? next and, and and that's the beautiful idea that we want to keep exploring this world, keep exploring the beauty, beauty of God's creations and do it for that sake, uh, right? For scientific exploration, not because we're in a constant war and battle with other nations to be superior uh, and think that they're going to be rockets from outer space
1: right um and so season 3 really delves into those questions right because there's a race to get to mars like a literal race to get to mars uh and you know uh they have to ask questions like you know uh you know it, it, Sort of like you know Ricky Bobby, like if you're not first, you're last, right? So there there's a an entity. I won't give too many spoilers away for those who haven't seen it, but that you know that has a more kind of like win at all costs mentality, even if it means uh, sacrificing their 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 moral obligations to other people in need. Um, uh, you know uh, w- what is the value of human coloni- colonization of Mars uh, or of the Moon or of of, of any other place, right? Um, what happens, this doesn't come up really in, in the, in the show, but I suspect that this might be, you know, an area that gets explored later on. Um, what does it do to our self-understanding if we do discover, you know, life or intelligent life, uh, on, on other planets? What if, what if we discover that life on this planet originated from other planets as is actually, uh, being suggested, uh, in, in, on the cutting edge of, um, of evolutionary biology now. So, um, or paleobiology now. So, uh. Uh, so, you know, so so we have these questions about, you know, uh, discovery for discovery's sake, um, about getting to that next horizon, you know, for its own sake, as Sam Seenborn would have said, um, is that a value in and of itself? or What are the what are the, you know, uh, relative like counter values that we have to weigh if we're, you know, in in that conversation from the West Wing? I'm glad you brought it up. Right. You know, why, why go to Mars? Because it's what's next. OK, maybe. But should the. billion that you're going to spend on Mars exploration, you know, get put, I don't know, into building affordable housing in, in, uh, in, in cities where, uh, you know, there are, uh, tent cities, uh, you know, exploding, right. I was just in Los Angeles, right. So, um, you know, these are really, these are real questions that, that, um, that don't get asked often enough and with enough seriousness.
0: No, I think that's a great point. Well, what have you all been watching and listening to this summer? Let us know in the comments. Uh, And uh, if you have not already, be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review us because we're back, baby. Summer is over, uh, but the fun over here at Pop Torah is just beginning. Until next time, I am Rabbi Jesse
1: Olitsky. And I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. Take care.